If you or your child is a student at Community Montessori School here in Jackson, then you are surely familiar with their student creed, a three-sentence declaration that goes like this. I am an important person in this world. Now is the most important time in my life. My mistakes are my best teachers, so I will be fearless. Isn't that great? I love it, and I love that this creed is a part of the school's regular liturgy. Each time the student body gathers for weekly assembly, they make sure to recite this creed together. So that this is one of the ways in which the school reinforces its, its mission and values. It's one of the ways the school reminds itself, not only its student body, but also its teachers and faculty. It reminds them of what they're all about. Of course, there are other things that they do beyond this to instill a set of values among their people. So that in all of these efforts, what they're doing is they're, they're creating a common culture, reminding everyone that they are a community of shared commitments to one another. They're all bought into the same vision. Now, when you think about it, this is what most all institutions and social groups are trying to do. Sport teams, nonprofits, universities, associations, they are all constantly trying to define their own identity, who they are and what they're about, so that everyone is on the same page. As Americans, we do the same thing. We have these liturgies that reinforce our national identity. Like before a professional sporting event, you're likely to hear our national anthem. You might even get to see some low-flying fighter jets buzz the stadium as the song comes to an end. And we start this stuff at an early age so that even our children in school, each day before class begins, they stand and say the Pledge of Allegiance together. So that in these and other ways, we are always at work forming our national identity, reminding each other that we are a community of shared commitments. If you work for a company, it's likely, too, that its leaders are finding ways to expose you over and over again to maybe its mission statement, its core values, you know, company mantras develop over time, job descriptions, goal settings, rewards, all of these become ways to create a common culture, ways to remind everyone in the company that they are, and here's our phrase for the day in case you haven't noticed, that they are a community of shared commitments. Well, what is true for these groups is also true for the church. That community that was born 2,000 years ago today on the day of Pentecost. Yes, today we are celebrating the church's birthday, an event marked by the giving of the Holy Spirit to all those who give their allegiance to Jesus. It is a massive event in the biblical story, matched only by creation itself. So that as the Spirit hovered over the waters at the dawn of time, giving birth to creation and to us human beings, so now the Spirit is breaking into the world again, but this time with a new creation, a new humanity. The Spirit of God poured out upon the people of God which does create quite a stir. 
In this pivotal moment, oh my goodness, what is going on? What are you people doing? What's all the raucous about? Are you out of your mind? Surely you must be drunk or something, right? Not at all, Peter replies, standing up, now in the power of the Spirit to give an explanation, an explanation of this new social reality. No, we are not drunk. This is, this is what God has promised through the prophets long ago. The creation of a new community that houses his presence here on earth. A community for anyone and everyone, yes, but also a community who calls upon the name of the Lord. In other words, this is a community with purpose. A community with its own unique identity. Or we could say, a community of shared commitments. Which is why Peter responds the way he does when the crowd asks a question at the end of his sermon. Now, the question is not included in our selection today. But after Peter finishes his explanation of what's going on, which is a bit preachy, if you recall, the crowd is cut to the heart, the text says. And they say, then what should we do? Ah, what should we do? The onlookers are picking up on something, something that many Christians today tend to forget, that this group, this community called the church is indeed a community of shared commitments. The church is not a community that says, well, I do whatever you want because God loves you anyway. It's not a, a, a social club for your own personal entertainment and inspiration. The church is not a support group where you can just sit back and relax to ease all the headaches in life. No. This is a community that comes with demands, right? Requirements. A shared way of living that we all commit to. Commitments that define who we are and what we're doing. And if you're not on board with these commitments, then I'm afraid this community is not for you. So Peter, what should we do? If this is true, if God has raised this Jesus from the dead and made him Lord of the world, if God has now poured out his spirit upon us, upon all who hail him as Lord, then Peter, what should we do to be a part of this new community? Answer, repent and be baptized. That's what Peter says. Repent and be baptized. Repent, that is, turn to Jesus and hail him as your Lord, because he is the one who actually defines this community. This is a Jesus community, right? His way of life is meant to be our way of life. That's what repent means. We turn and make his way of life our way of life, following Jesus. And then be baptized. Receive the sacrament of new birth, and you too will receive the Holy Spirit. You too will become a living member of Christ's body. Which is why the day of Pentecost is such a fitting time for a baptism. Because Pentecost is the day when the church is born, and baptism is the day when an individual is born into the church. But please take note of what is required of those who are re to receive the sacrament of holy baptism or of those who are presenting a young person for baptism. They are to make vows, right? 
vows to live out their faith in this Jesus community. Why? Because the church is a community of shared commitments. Friends, we do not baptize people who don't commit to fulfilling these vows. Every once in a while, I will get a call from someone who doesn't attend All Saints, who doesn't attend any local church for that matter, but they still want to have their their young son or daughter baptized. So they'll ask me as the priest of this church if this is something that I will do. And my response is always the same. I would love to baptize your child, but it takes a church to raise a Christian. So If you want to get involved in the life of our church, if you want to live out these baptismal vows that we all take, then come on, join us. And and then after a few months or so, of course, we will baptize your child. You see, because they go together, baptism and our shared commitments, right? In fact, I think that's a pretty good definition of the church. Not the only definition, but a pretty good one. Those who are living out their baptismal vows together. Because the church is a community of shared commitments. Uh, A few days ago, I received an email update from one of our international missionaries, Jerry Kramer from Love for the Least. I had already completed the rough draft of my sermon, but after reading his email, I had to make room for what he said. For he said that in the midst of their current efforts to plant over 1,000 churches in Iran, Iraq, Syria, and Turkey... There was some confusion emerged among their people as to what the difference is between a Bible study group and a church. How might you answer that? What is the difference between a group and a church? Well, they sat down with their local leaders and started studying the book of Acts so that in time they crafted their own definition of what a church is to listen to what they came up with. A local church is a group of baptized believers committed to Jesus, committed to one another, committed to being a church, doing everything they see the church in Acts 2 doing, the church that was born on Pentecost. Isn't that fantastic? You can see why I wanted to include that definition in today's sermon, because they get it. They understand that the church is, in fact, a community of shared commitments, that this is what we are actually baptized into. Jerry went on to describe how they actually transitioned these small groups into becoming churches because the majority of those in these groups have some sort of Islamic background, and some of them may be interested in this Jesus fellow, but they're not sure. They, they might even ask questions about what does it mean to follow him, but, but what would make them a church, right, if, if you have a group asking those sorts of things? And so when a group starts asking these kinds of questions, they are led through what is called the seven commands of Christ. Seven commands that everyone must, here's the word, commit to in order to be a bona fide church. Here they are. Repent. Be baptized. Pray. Make disciples. Love one another. The Lord's Supper and give financially. So that once, according to them, once they have a group of people doing these things on a regular basis, living as a community of shared commitments, boom, they say, we have a church. That's a church. 
I think that's because that's what the church is. That's what we're all baptized into. You've likely heard the common refrain, remember your baptism. Indeed, Martin Luther said that this is the key to the Christian life, right? Remember your baptism. I remind my children on the way to school that this is the most important thing for them to remember. Remember your baptism, that you are loved by God, that you're adopted into the body of Christ. But remembering your baptism is still more than just knowing these facts to be true. It's also remembering the vows you made at your baptism. All those commitments that define this family, commitments that we will actually renew together this very day. So that the phrase, remember your baptism, also means remember your baptismal vows. That you are a part of a community of shared commitments. You may have noticed that our gospel reading today is a mini Pentecost account. You know, a foretaste of the main event. When the resurrected Jesus appears to his disciples and breathes on them saying, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I find it interesting that immediately after Jesus says this, immediately after he breathes upon them the Spirit, he makes this statement. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. But if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, growing up, it was hard for me to make sense of this statement. Because it sounds as if Jesus is giving his apostles authority to make judgments that should be left to God alone. But over time, I've come to see the significance of what Jesus is saying. It's simply an extension of this idea that we're talking about today, that we are a community of shared commitments. Because here's the thing, if someone refuses to share in these commitments, if someone refuses to repent, refuses to follow Jesus, then the leaders of the church are called to do something, to, yeah, to bring them along, to, help to, bring, to hold them to account, because these, we, we made vows here. The leaders of the church are to make clear, albeit with lots of love, lots of grace and patience, that this community is only for those who commit to following the way of Jesus. And if you don't share in this commitment, then you're placing yourself outside of this community. Please note the qualification the priest gives whenever he offers absolution. He says that God has promised forgiveness of sins not to anyone who asks, right? but to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to him. Forgiveness is not for those who refuse to repent. It's, for those, it's not for those who refuse to make good on their baptismal vows. No, like the father of the prodigal son, we must remember God is always turned toward you, ready to welcome you home with open arms each and every time we fall short of these commitments. But we still have to repent. Like the prodigal son, we still have to turn around and return home, return to Jesus. This is what it means to be a part of a community of shared commitments. Yes, we receive all sinners, but then we renounce the sinful desires of the flesh that draws from the love of God. Yes, we say to everyone, welcome, but then we make vows to obediently keep God's holy will and commandments as defined by Jesus. And baptism reminds us of this. It reminds us both of the open arms of Jesus 
and the demands he places upon us. He accepts us as we are, and then he calls us to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. My friends, the church is a place of love and grace, yes, a place of God's presence, of course, a place of transformation, you bet, but that's only because it's also a community of shared commitments. And so may this day be an opportunity for you and for me to remember our baptism by renewing our own baptismal vows. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that in your grace you have chosen to dwell among us, your church, your people. You have given us your spirit. Heavenly Father, we receive all that you want to give us, and yet at the same time, we, we accept the call of Jesus, and day by day, we renew our commitment to him and to make his way of life our way of life. May we renew those vows today. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.